what we uh, are designed to do and to be is fruit-bearing for the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory. Um, so we're continuing in our message series entitled, In Season, Bearing Good Fruit. Amen? And today we're going to be talking about kindness. So let's pray together, and you can pray after me. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Um, I don't know. Have you turned on the TV lately? Perhaps had an encounter, but uh, there's not a lot of kindness flowing around our present-day society. But yet as believers, as a community of faith, as a group of messianic followers of the Messiah, we are called to bear the fruit of kindness. And so we're going to read from the scripture, from Galatians chapter 5. I want to start at verse 19 because we need to, to understand that there is a contrast. And there should be a contrast, a stark contrast between our lives and the way the worldly live their life. And so in verse 19 of Galatians 5 it says, And it is perfectly evident what the old nature does. It expresses itself in sexual immorality, impurity, and indecency, involvement with the occult and with drugs, in feuding, fighting, becoming jealous, and getting angry, in selfish ambition, factionalism, intrigue, and envy, in drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you now, as I have warned you before, those who do such things have no share in the kingdom of God. And then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Nothing in the Torah stands against such things. That is a fruit that grows out of the heart of those who say they believe. And this paints a very great picture. What does Yeshua say? You will know them, meaning his followers, how? By their fruit. A man of God tells about an incident that happened to him on his way into work. Walking the sidewalk pathways of downtown, he would often pass a number of homeless and transient people. From time to time, they would make requests for money, which he generally ignored. One day, a bag lady whom he had seen before in his mad dash to get from point A to point V shuffled out of a donut shop with a steaming hot cup of coffee. It had to be a donut shop, right? You know that. It had to, it had to be a donut. Their eyes met and he forced a smile. Putting down her coat and bag, she called out, Hey, mister, would you like a sip of my coffee? 
Well, now, if you were him, what would you respond in reality? Keep walking and ignore her? That's what he did, or at least he started to. A half a block away, he turned back around and said, Hey, lady, yes, yes, I would like a taste of your coffee. She held out the cup with her dirty hand. He took the cup and swallowed what had to be the most delicious cup of coffee he had tasted in a long time. Isn't it good, she said. Yes, it is good. Thank you. And by the way, why did you offer me your coffee? Because it was so good. I thought someone might like to share it with me and enjoy it too. Kindness. An act of kindness. Simple. I mean, a sip of coffee is not going to change the world, right? But a sip of coffee could change a person who will then change the world. An act of kindness. The fruit of the Ruach. Or the kindness and the kindness that God calls us to is not only something that you do, it is who you are. Right? So Rav Shaul does not simply mean that the nine flavors, remember we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, fruit singular, one fruit, nine flavors. Right? Rav Shaul does not simply mean that the nine flavors which make up the fruit of the Ruach are not forbidden by law. He means that when these qualities are in view, we are in a sphere in which law has nothing to do. Law may prescribe certain forms of conduct and prohibit others, but love, joy, peace, and the rest cannot be legally enforced. You see, here's the danger that I want us to avoid. We could hear a message like this and say, I have to go home and get better at this. That's not what God's trying to do here. Because the truth is, you can't really enforce these things to be binding upon yourself. Well, you might try it for a little bit and even have some measure of success. But that's not what God is really looking for. Matter of fact, a vine does not produce grapes by an act of parliament. <laughs> right, says one scholar. But, but um, they are the fruit of the vine's own life. And we are connected to the vine of Yeshua. These fruits or these virtues or these flavors are a part of who he is, right? And as we're connected to him, they become a part of who we are, naturally. Amen? So the conduct which conforms to the standard of the kingdom is not pr produced by a demand. God's not demanding us. Bear fruit of kindness. Because if that was it, it would be pretty easy, right? Well, I'm going to just leave this building and be kind. But you know what in inevitably happens? It's like, I'm going to leave this building and be loving. And then you walk out of the building and you encounter maybe someone. We won't say who, but perhaps you encounter someone and your first reaction is not love. 
The truth is you cannot produce love on demand. You cannot produce joy on demand. You cannot produce the peace of God that surpasses understanding on demand. You can't produce kindness on demand. Yes, you could do a kind thing, but you can't be kind on demand. It comes from our connection to the vine, to Yeshua. Someone else says, fruit does not come from efforts of legalistic rule following. And I hate to say it, friends, believers, we often get a little legalistic in our religious pursuits. And we think that we are going to make ourselves do all these different disciplines. And there is some measure where it's okay to, you know, force yourself to do a good thing. Like maybe you wake up tomorrow and don't want to read the word, but you say, I'm going to read it. That's a different story. But the truth is, we can't force everything or else that's just legalism and religiosity. Things are supposed to flow from a changed life from the inside. The folks that went through the mikvah today are saying that their life has been changed and transformed and is beginning to and in the process of conforming to the image of the Messiah. Why is that? How is that? Because they are connected to him. They are connected. They're grafted into the same life-giving blood of the Messiah. And it's slowly but surely changing them. They're becoming transformed. That's why Rav Shaul says that you're going from one degree of glory to another degree. You're becoming more and more and more like him. It's like a blood transfusion. The, the, the more your blood gets replaced with the blood of the lamb, the more like the lamb of God you will begin to be like. And that's why we're called messianics. Little messiahs, because we are like him. Yeah, we're not him, <laughs> don't get that wrong, but we're like him. We act like him. We have the same desires that he has. We have the same passions that he has. The same kindness that flowed in him flows in us. And we need to see it that way or else we'll just be following religious forms that have an appearance of godliness, right? We know the scripture, but it says it lacks the power thereof. I want to tell you that that little bag lady changed that man of God, not because she decided, hey, let me just be kind to this stranger walking by, because kindness flowed out of her and touched someone and begin to transform his life. It was a kindness that flowed from her. In some theological circles, an unseemly argument arises in which the fruit of the Ruach is set over and against the gifts of the Ruach, as if one were better or more important than the other. But a balanced believer will want both the fruits of the Ruach and the gifts of 
the Ruach operating in his life so that he can better serve God and his fellow human being. And that's from Stern's commentary on the Jewish New Covenant. So hear this. Anyone can act kind, but that does not mean that they are kind. Have you ever been, maybe this has happened to you, perhaps it hasn't, but I've seen it on more than one occasion. You go up, you're in a store perhaps, and someone's helping you, and to your face, they're very nice, they're kind. And then they turn their back and they're with their fellow employees and then you hear them say, oh, this is what a Oh, this one's a real pain in the real end. So they were acting kind. And if you didn't hear what was truly going on in their heart, you would say, wow, they're kind. How kind are they? But the truth is, they were just acting kind. They were physically doing and putting on a show as if they were kind. But in their heart, they weren't really kind. And... We can make a big mistake, like I said, after a message like this and conclude that we need to get more kind and be more kind in our lives, as if it was something merely that we do. Rather, we would make a better choice by purposing to draw near and closer to Yeshua. And this is really the goal of this series, friend, if I could tell you, the most important thing that you can do is seek Yeshua and find him on a daily basis. Drawing closer and closer to his heart every day. Allowing the words that you read to take root in your heart and your spirit. Where there is a noticeable change, a transformation in who you are a year from now. Amen? To abide more regularly in the vine of his presence and see kindness formed in us through the working of the Ruach HaKodesh. God is kind. And to be kind is to be like God. Look what it says in Romans 8.29. It says, because those whom he knew in advance, say, that's me, wave at God, because those whom he knew in advance, he also determined in advance would be conformed, say conformed, that you and I would be conformed to the pattern of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We call ourselves a community. We call ourselves mishpacha, family. Well, who, who are we in family with? The Messiah. And that we are to be conformed to be like him. In Yirmiyahu, chapter 3, in verse 13, it says, The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with loving kindness. God is kind. Who is that God is drawing to him with loving kindness? Who is it? Is it the righteous? No. God's loving kindness is given to those who have rebelled and turned away from him. 
God is kind to the wicked. So when we talk about kindness, right? Listen, husbands, it's easy to be kind to your wife when your wife perhaps is in the best mood she's ever been. And you just, oh, wow, I'm really digging this. This is great. Woke up to breakfast. She's so cheery and happy, and stress levels are so low in the house. Oh, what do you need, honey? Sweetheart, what can I get you? <laughs> right? But what about when perhaps your wife is a little stressed? Does kindness flow out of us then? Well, God is kind to us when we're very unkind to him, is he not? Why is that? And this is what we got to get, guys. Why is that? Because that's who he is. He can't be anything other than kind. He's kind through and through. Cut him in half. And what are you going to find? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's who he is. When you press God's buttons, has your wife ever pressed your button? Has your husband ever pressed your button? Or two? What response do they get? And let me tell you, make no mistake, the response that it gets is what is in the other person. <laughs> That's why... We need to be connected to the vine so he could filter out some of those old ways, that old nature which we read first, right, which is contrary to God, so that when our buttons are pushed more and more, what comes out of us isn't a reaction or a retaliation, but is kindness. Even when people at work perhaps aren't very nice to us, or kind to us, or when they may, maybe they're mean to us, or maybe even when they're evil toward us. When we were evil toward God, God responded with loving kindness. And I know what you're thinking, oh yeah, my goodness, what do you want us to do next, Rabbi? Hold hands and sing Kumbaya? In some utopian paradise? Well... Kind of, sort of. We are all headed toward Takun Olam, the restoration of all things, where there will be, and listen, I'm not making this up, read Revelation, and it tells us what will not be in the kingdom of God. And all those evil things and attitudes that I read about in Galatians verse 19, it says expressly, will not be, will be outside of the kingdom of God. So, yes, the rabbi does expect that we are going to be, you and I are going to be conformed. As a matter of fact, that you and I are being conformed into the image of the Messiah, into the image of God who is kind. Look what it says in Luke 6, 35. But love your enemies. Because it's easy, because Yeshua, knowing that it's easy to love your friends, your family, he says, but love your enemies and do good 
and lend. Oh, that's right, the wallet. Lend, expecting nothing back. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of Ha Elyon, the Most High, for He is kind, say kind, to the ungrateful and the wicked. How do you know you're a child of God? Wait, let me read. And you will be children of God when you love your enemies, when you lend to them expecting nothing back, because that's how God is. It says that God allows the rain to fall on the righteous, right, and the wicked. Right? Because God's nature cannot be denied. God is kind to the ungrateful. He's kind to those who take his kindness for granted and don't give it a second thought. He's kind to the wicked, to those who turn their back on him and despise him. He was kind to those who mocked him and spit on him, who pulled out his beard, who said, oh yeah, yeah, all hail to the king of the Jews. He was kind to them. Father, forgive them. I wonder, is that our first response? <laughs> I've seen some of you guys on the LIE. Is that your first response? Father, be kind to them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. All right, listen, I'm not confiscating the little recorders you got in the car, but... We could laugh at that because we've all experienced some frustration in that area. But the truth is, if Yeshua came in a time where he was driving on the expressway, how do you think he would respond? Do you think he would be frustrated to drive from Manhattan to Holbrook in rush hour traffic? Do you think so? Do you think he'd be frustrated like the devil? No. It's not in him. It's not there. I and the Father are one. We're connected. His life flow is in me and mine in him. We and Yeshua are one. We are grafted into him. His life flow is in us. That's if... Then the Bible says it this way, if we remain, say remain, if we remain abiding in the vine, if, say, if we remain. See, when I hear that word if, I get a little nervous, because if, if I remain, tells me that I have a responsibility. If I, that means I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm, I'm either going to spend time abiding in Yeshua or I'm going to pass on it. And can I tell you, here's the true confessions of a rabbi. There has been times in my walk with God where I haven't had devotions. It's very rare, but it's happened. And could I tell you that every single solitary time that I've gone and not had devotions, 
I will, by the end of the day, I'm saying, there's something wrong with me. I am so agitated inside this. I am so frustrated. There's something in me that's not right. And then the Holy Spirit will remind me, oh, remember, Michael, that you weren't with me today. And I'm saying to myself, but is that really? I'm with you consistently all the time. And you mean one day it makes a difference? Yeah, it makes a difference. Because one day, so if I, it takes someone who's on life support. And we saw someone recently on life support. They were on a ventilator. Do you think you could just unplug it and leave them for a day? What would happen? They die in a few short minutes. Even though all the rest of the days they had 100% oxygen being pumped into them, they can't even go a few minutes without it. Friend, you and I need to be continually abiding in the vine if we want kindness to flow out of us. The kindness of God does not discriminate. God does not treat his enemies differently than he does his friends. Why is that? Because God doesn't merely act kind, he is kind. And I want us to see the difference. Do you act kind? I hope you do. But I also hope, more importantly, that you are kind. That you've been changed by God. He shows his enemies kindness in order to win their friendship. As Rav Shaul wrote in his letter to the Messianic community of the, in Rome, and he says this, God's kindness leads people to repentance. That's why, friends, okay, I'm going to just give you a little tip. No matter, no matter your political persuasion, okay, because I know those run passionate, we're passionate about our political persuasions. Wah, wah, wah. And I say that because my only true allegiance is to the Malchut Elohim, the kingdom of God. I don't really live, live in the land of Democrat and Republic, Republican. I live in the land of I am a child of the king. Okay, his kingdom is not of this world. That's just the way it is. But being in his kingdom, okay, gives me a greater responsibility. Okay, and we could get caught up in... Um, responding, let me put it nicely, responding to others who don't agree with us in a certain way and in a certain tone. And let me read that again. God's kindness <laughs> leads people to repentance. God's kindness. When I was living my life like Hasatan incarnate, God wasn't shaking his fist at me. God was being kind to me. Revealing his son to me. Showing Mashiach to me. And it is God's kindness that caused my heart to turn and to change. And to reconsider, hey, why should this God be gracious to me? After all, I've done nothing, nothing to deserve it. Matter of fact, the contrary was true. You might have folks around you that, that live next to you <laughs> or work with you that have opposing views to you and might be nasty 
to you. Is our response to be nasty right back to them? Oh, we could do that, but I want to tell you what, that is not the fruit of the Ruach. That's the fruit of the flesh. It's not the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of the world. And we have been called out of darkness, friends, into his marvelous, glorious light, transformed and conformed into a new way, into his Son. God's kindness is without limit. Kindness breaks down barriers and boundaries. Kindness opens the door to the fullness of God's love and fellowship. Kindness takes in the objectional, objectional and the critical. It welcomes those filled with bitterness and resentment. Kindness took us in. Think of that. In God's kindness, he took us in. Say no more, right? Ephesians 2 tells us, and he did this so that in the ages to come, he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Messiah Yeshua by providing for our redemption. Wait, but I am in God and he is in me and I'm abiding in the vine, right? So that means that in my life that I should also show immeasurable and unsurpassed grace and kindness toward others. I like those words, immeasurable and unsurpassed grace and kindness toward others. Even people that think differently than me. Because I can guarantee you this, that when Yeshua was courting me, I thought differently than he did. Way differently. So, we've been redeemed, you and I. Why? Because God is kind. Not because we deserved it, because of his kindness. Perhaps we see others redeemed through our acts of genuine kindness if we allow that fruit to develop in us, flowing from our connection with the Messiah. You know, the Greek word used in Galatians is Christotes. You want to try that? Christotes. And it means useful, profitable. It means moral excellence. Um, it means well fit for use, what's really needed. It means um, gentleness, goodness, kindness. It has this full, it's a full and rounded meaning. Kindness, I like this definition, kindness that is serviceable. For God so loved the world that he, kindness that is seen in our service. But it doesn't come, it has to be moving in the right direction. It starts from the inside change, 
and it flows into a service or action. Starts from a heart change and flows into a service of action. It doesn't start with an action. That's just religion. Christotes means useful kindness and refers to meeting real needs in God's way, in God's timing. Therefore, it's listed as a fruit of the Ruach, as we've read. For the believer, Christotes, or divine kindness, is the spirit-produced goodness or kindness which meets the need and avoids human harshness and cruelty. We have no term that quite carries this notion of kindness in English. That's why when I give you all those definitions, it's so full and loaded with meaning. Another word could have been used, but this was the word chosen by the Ruach, Christotes, a divine kindness that is serviceable. It's seen in action, and it flows from the heart of a follower of Yeshua towards someone else. You know, often we, you, I know, we wonder, how do we impact the world? And I want to just say this. If you're not known in the world, and by that I mean in your sphere, you know, you work here and I work there, you work at this one and that one, and your little sphere of where you do business and where you shop and the friends you associate with and the neighbors that you meet and greet, if you're not known as a kind and loving individual, you need to talk to God about that and plug in and allow, because he is kind and he is loving and he is good and that should be flowing into us and changing us into that very person. And if we're not known for that, then we perhaps are disconnected a little more than we think we are to divine. The fruit of the Ruach should produce in us something that moves us to act kind from the inside out. Guys, you know what? I'm doing this a couple of years now. I'm serving the Lord a lot of years. There's so many fakes out in the kingdom. There's a lot of fakes. Because you could say anything you want. You could say, I'm this, I'm that, and I'm the other thing. But the truth is, God knows what we are. <laughs> he knows what we really are. Really. And God, if we want to change the world and make an impact on others, we need to be conformed to who he is. Isn't it amazing that a carpenter who was poor had thousands and thousands of people flocking after him that he couldn't even walk down a street without being pressed and almost crushed from the people who just wanted to get their hands on him for a second to touch him, to say, I was at that meeting with the Mashiach. Why is that? 
because he was the real deal. He was kind and loving and gentle and good. And people wanted to be where he was at. He made people feel good. We are called messianics. Little messiahs. Do we make people feel good? Do people want to be around us? Does our family want to be around us? Our friends want to be around us? Do our neighbors want to be around us? Could you imagine if Yeshua lived in your house? You rented him an upstairs room. What do you think your house would be like? If Yeshua lived in your house, what do you think your house would be like in a matter of a week? You'd have hundreds and thousands of people camping at your house. They'd be saying, I'm waiting to get a hold of that guy. I want to hear what he has to say. I want him to touch me and be kind to me and be gentle with me. And I want to hear his words. And I want to sit under his person. That's how the community of believers changed the known world. Remember when they went to the Sanhedrin? And they noted, what? That these men had been with Yeshua. They knew there was something different about them. Remember, they were beaten. What did they do after they were beaten? Baruch Hashem, hallelujah. Baruch Hashem, bless the name of the Lord. They were rejoicing. How many people get rejoicing after being flogged? And you can look up and see what it means to be flogged. It's not pleasant. They were brutalized. And they were rejoicing in God. Not cursing the people that did it. Not saying, God's going to get you back. You wait. They were rejoicing and celebrating that God is awesome. Could you imagine the impact that had on the people that just, you know, that's why it says many in the household of Caesar became believers in Yeshua because the other people that worked with them that were believers were extraordinary. They were like people they've never seen before. That's a question that we need to ask for ourselves. What do the people around us encounter when they encounter you? What did they encounter when they encounter you? The answer should and can be that they encounter Yeshua. His kindness, his love, his patience. His goodness. That's who they encounter. Do you think we would change the world if that took place? Yeah. Let me give you, I'm going to close with this great scriptural example for us found in Luke chapter 10. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay? And I'm reading out of the Message Bible. So it says this, Yeshua answered by telling a story, as he always did. 
It's a good rabbinic Jewish way to teach is through a story. And so there was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a Kohen, a priest, was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. See, we think initially that he, was a mal, he had malintent. But there was legal prescriptions as to why he would have angled. Because I don't know how badly beaten he is, and he could be dead, and I'm a Kohen, and I can't touch a dead body, so I'm going to play my cards right, and I'm getting as far away from him as I can. Legally, and even religiously, that was the thing to do, perhaps. Then a Levite, another religious man, showed up, and he also avoided the injured man. So this injured man, who's basically more than half dead by now, um, is 0 for 2. Two human beings. And let me say this, guys, look at me. Two human beings that were representatives of God. Let that sink in. Two human beings that were representatives of God saw him beaten half to death and moved away. This is not written, but let's, know what I would love? I would love to get a picture of God's reaction. Wouldn't you? Ah. Probably hard for God to look at. A Samaritan, not an overly religious guy at all, (laughs) traveling the road, same road, came on him. And when he saw the man's condition, what does it say here? His heart went out to him. Something on the inside of this man compelled him to respond. Not religious duty and obligation and what he should and shouldn't do. Should I go? Shouldn't I not go? Should I touch him? Should I not touch him? What does the law say? And I don't know. His heart compelled him to go. And he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey and led him to an inn. And he made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs anything more than what I gave you, I'll make it up to you on my way back. goes on to say, what do you think? This is the story Yeshua is telling us. What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? 
the one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar responded, the one who treated him kindly. So the religious guy knew the right thing. Yeshua said, go and do the same. The Samaritan had something going on on the inside of him that was way beyond religiosity and rules and Torah legalism. It was living in his heart a godlike character that would not allow him to leave someone half dead on the side of the road without going to him and helping him and paying for him and, and, and put, giving time out of his day to make sure that this man was well taken care of and on demand. I could not just leave him. My heart compelled me to go. We could walk into a building like this and we could put on a religious show like nobody's business. Make every chain. Break every chain. Well, we could be bound as bound can be. Yeshua is looking for the inside of us to be made new, to be made like him. Friends, if you're struggling with the same things year after year, attitudes and anger, all the things that are opposite, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, but year after year after year after year after year, you know what I'm going to find in people like that? It happens all the time. People come to us, Rabbi, I'm having this problem, I'm having this problem in this area of my life, I'm having a problem in that area of my life, Rabbi, I'm having a problem here, I'm having a problem there, Rabbi, what do I do, Rabbi? And we'll say, hey, so uh, how's your devotional and connected life to Yeshua? Well, 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 I read the Bible sometimes. sometimes does that to you I'm just listen I'm just being curious does that to you sound like someone who's connected to the lifeblood of Yeshua through a relationship no those struggles we cannot be changed and conformed into his image unless we are connected to the vine and there's a flowing there's a replacement of our old ways with his new ways our ways are changing and who his new ways are taking root. And the proof positive is, isn't by my actions in here. It's not even by someone says something to us. And we, you know, all the knots and buttons and bells are going off in here. But we know enough to say the right thing. And I'm not saying you should stop doing that, by the way. But what I'm saying is God is looking for something a little more genuine. He's looking for when the things are coming at you. I hate you. You nasty thing. You're the devil. I'm going to, you are the, ah. And what flows out of the godly 
is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, love them because they've not received and experience your love. Father, help them, God, because they are in a bad state. God, have mercy on them. And that really flows from your kishkas. Friends, if you are living and trying to live a religious life because you know all the, you know how it's supposed to be done. Friends, start listening to your heart because when your heart says contrary things, God is looking to change your heart. And that only happens as, you know, there's no accident why Yeshua talks into, about himself as a vine. We're talking about fruit here. He he's talks about gardens and gardeners. Why is that? Because it's a picture for us that we could see with our own two eyes. Okay, good grapes come from a good vine system. They're sweet and they taste like the vine. They taste like the care that the gardener put into it. They taste good and right like a grape's supposed to taste. You are supposed to taste like a messianic believer. You are supposed to taste spiritually like Yeshua. You're not supposed to be, okay, maybe you're not him, you're not him and you're not identical to him and you're not perfect, true. But there should be, you, when you eat an apple, you, you understand that that's an apple, right? Might not be the best apple you ever had. I know that because I have an apple tree right outside my deck. And I look at those apples and I say, I don't know why we have apple trees because I can't really see myself eating those apples. Although Abigail has eaten those apples. And they taste like apples. They do taste like apples. And we should taste spiritually like Yeshua. And here, I'm going to end with this, but this is, it is so, this is so ironic and so funny, but this is what we do. We try to talk people into what we are. No, really, I am a, a follower of Yeshua. No, 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 really, I am. I go to service every week. I read my Bible every day. I really am. And the person is looking at us and saying, but gosh, Hmm. Hmm. That don't seem right. That don't seem like an apple. She's telling me it's an apple. He's telling me it's an apple. But it doesn't, doesn't look like an apple. It doesn't taste like an apple. I know what they're telling me. But what I'm experiencing is not lining up with what they're saying. Friend, that should not be. You shouldn't have to talk anyone into anything. They should experience you and say, wow, I like that, some of that. I don't know what that was, but that was good. Where'd you get it? That's how it's really supposed to happen. That's why we wanted to tackle this series. Alexander McLaren said this, kindness makes a person attractive. 
If you would win the world, melt it. Don't hammer it. Kindness makes a person attractive. Remember our opening story of the woman giving a sip of coffee? How could that change anything? You know how that changes something? Because that's who the woman was. And it's funny, the man of God seems to be a little lacking in that area from that story, just like the two priests, the Kohanim that passed the Good Samaritan. They were the ones that said, I go to temple every week. I read the Torah all the time. But we're supposed to speak with our changed life. Amen? Guys, that's just the truth. The truth is, a small act of kindness can make a big impact on people that experience it. When it flows genuinely from us, you know, when who we are is kind and loving and patient like Yeshua, the world around us will know, the world around us will take notice. Things will, at the end of the day, go our way because we are just like him. That's what God's calling us to. He's not calling us to, you know, go, you know, you know, religious people would take a message like this, well, Rabbi, I'm going to go home and I'm going to memorize that verse. And that's a good thing, by the way. Do it. I'm going to memorize that verse. And I'm going to walk out tomorrow morning and I'm going to be all those things. You can't be them. You can't do them and just make it happen. You have to be transformed and become them. And that happens in the presence of God. That happens as every day we allow the word of God to wash us and renew us and replace the bad with the good, replace the old with the new. Refresh us with the presence of Yeshua. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I want to ask the folks who normally pray uh, to come up and prepare to, to do that. Jim, if you could put on a, a CD. Um, we're going to close with the ironic benediction, but we want to give you an opportunity. You know, listen to me. You came here today. You sat through the service. And by the way, it's like 100 degrees outside, so don't be in any rush to go. But if you came here today and you have an issue going on in your life, if you need a helping hand, if you need a breakthrough from God, it could be related to this message, it could be unrelated, it doesn't matter. Don't leave without getting some prayer, someone to agree with you in prayer, um, to help you get over that situation, to help you through. I mean, it takes, what, another 10 minutes of your day to go and get help through prayer. So uh, what we're going to do is, if you need prayer, after I do the ironic benediction, please come up and receive prayer. And if you don't need prayer and you're good to go, really, we say Baruch Hashem, God bless you, Shabbat Shalom, um, you're free to go.
But really, if you need help and if you just want a, someone else to agree with you in an area of your life, please feel free to come forward. So stretch forth your hand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Father, I pray, Lord, that the riches of heaven, Lord God, would be, Lord, poured upon your people. Father, that you would bring healing and health and liberty and favor and grace. Abra, that your people would be blessed in this week as they seek your face. God, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all they ask or imagine, and we ask it in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. God bless you if you need to go. Shabbat shalom. If you want prayer and you need prayer, please come and get it. Amen.